Welcome entrepreneurs and startups to Art of the Kickstart, the podcast that every entrepreneur needs to listen to before you launch. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president and founder of Inventus Partners, the world's only turnkey product launch company that has helped over 2,000 innovations successfully raise over $400 million in capital since 2010. Each week, I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level. This show would not be possible without our main sponsor, Product Hype, a 300,000-member crowdfunding media site and newsletter that's generated millions of dollars in sales for over a thousand top tier projects since 2017. Check out producthype.co to subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I am super stoked because I am speaking with the one and only Adam Weiler, a top 500 Amazon seller and the CEO creator of Sunken Stone. Adam, really grateful for you to join me today on Art of the Kickstart. Roy, thanks for having me. So I know we go way back, but our audience may not have heard of you or what you're doing over there at Sunken Stone, but you guys are doing lots of amazing things. You know, since you guys have opened your doors in 2017, you guys have helped out more than 100 different seven and eight figure brands generate over $100 million in sales now on Amazon. So if you would, let's uh, let's take a trip down memory lane and give our audience a little bit of your background and kind of what led you to becoming an entrepreneur and launching Sunken Stone. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so you know, Amazon is the 800-pound gorilla. They they weren't always. Um, you know, back in 2007, I was working for a home theater company, and that was going to Chapter 11. They were going out of business. Had a little time in between before going back and getting my MBA. And I took a credit card cash advance for some HDMI cables, put those up for sale online, including Overstock and eBay, my own website. And Amazon had just launched this FBA program or fulfillment by Amazon program. And I was like, okay, let's let's try that out. Put them up for sale online there and started selling them. Then sold those first thousand cables and bought two thousand and bought four thousand. Started bringing in containers from China, and kind of the the rest was history after that. And then about five years ago, uh, or about four and a half five years ago, started um, getting brands and, and companies saying, hey, can you help us with Amazon? Can, can you make it easier for us? Because we kind of don't know what we're doing. And talked with the team, figure we can try it out. Did the first one and, and uh, took them from a six-figure run rate to eight-figure run rate in six months. They sold and, and uh, kind of rinse and repeat after that and off to the races. So I've got to ask, because a lot of the founders and folks that we work with sometimes have a difficult time finding the right product or they're finding, trying to find the perfect product. So mm-hmm. with HDMI cables, obviously you had a wealth of experience doing what you were doing, selling these high-end home theater systems for $50,000 a piece or whatever mm-hmm. they may have been. Why HDMI cables? You know, we were making more on the HDMI cable because uh, it, it was a commission sales gig. We were making more in commission on the HDMI cable than we were selling a $3,000 TV. So that's what it was like, okay, there's got to be something here. This is, they're they're kind of small. They're not that heavy. I would have loved to sell sold TVs or, or speakers, but it was 
within my field, I had domain expertise and there was a, a good margin play there. Got it. Now, it's always interesting to hear in terms of the the why, right, of what product did you pick first? And I think mm -hmm. specifically with Amazon, that is so critical, right? Well, and then to, to kind of like riff on that for a second, you know, the second product that we started selling or I started selling, it was just me at the time. I was buying envelopes to put the cables in. So then naturally, I started sourcing the envelopes and that kind of expanded into its own a line of office supplies. And then I was buying some a bike lock for my bicycle and realized that there wasn't any weren't any good options with the with the features I wanted. So started sourcing those. And you know, one of my biggest regrets was not niching down, just staying in that niche. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm I'm an ADD entrepreneur, just like everyone else, and I kind of jumped around in niches. And I wish I would have stuck with just office supplies or just audio video or just uh, bike accessories. Yeah, and I think that's a good nugget for our audience as well in terms of, you know, when they launch their first product, Kickstarter, crowdfunding, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. continuing to go down that, you know, rabbit hole or that niche in terms of continually asking your audience or what are some of the other products that might be in that same family or suite um, that's going to fulfill their needs or the problems that they have currently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got a built-in tribe that knows and likes your products, like, and you know the demo that they're in. Like, what else can you cross-sell them? Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about your team. You know, what does it look like? What does it consist of, and how how has the team evolved over the years? Yeah. So right now we've got about thirty staff in the U.S. and about sixty-five international staff. The international is split between the Philippines and Latin America. And then the U.S. staff uh, was started in San Diego, but we have since COVID, we've gone fully remote and we've hired in, I believe we're up to 10 or 11 states now. Um, so we've gone fully, fully remote and it's been awesome. You know, once we we did our first remote hiring post for a, for a copywriter, and we got something like 5,000 applicants. It was, it was just crazy. And we realized like, okay, well, this, this might be something. Like we're getting really great applicants all over the country just by opening it up. Like, let, let's see what we can do here. Amazing. So I got to ask, what, uh, what was the inspiration behind your company name, Sunken Stone? Yeah, so that's from, uh, it's a, I would call a bastardization of a Thomas Jefferson quote in matters of style, swim with the current, in matters of principle, stand like a rock. And I like the alliteration of something stone. So what that means is, and, and similar to you guys, uh, you know, it's like if people want the newest fad or trend or, or you know, whatever the consumer taste is, I'm not going to fight against that, right? But it's going to be a good value product. It's, we're going to back it up with great customer service. We're going to treat, uh, you know, our vendors and suppliers and, and partners with respect and decency. It's like those are the things we're not going to compromise on. If someone wants pink hats that that project Snapchat videos, like we'll sell them pink hats with Snapchat videos. I love it. So let's dive in now a little bit on in terms of the products that you work with now on Amazon. Which ones are you seeing be successful or are there any trends right now on the Amazon side that you're seeing that some of our creators and entrepreneurs can look into? Yeah, so... What is successful on Amazon? It 
back in the day, you used to be able to just throw up anything generic and find a niche and it would be successful because you're kind of filling a gap now. And then as you're seeing, it's, it's more and more differentiated, more and more value and wrapping a brand story into that, uh, into that kind of sales pitch that you're making on Amazon. So, you know, it always starts with the product, you know, without a great product, you're just going to be treading water because as soon as you get momentum, you're going to get bad reviews and it's going to knock you down. So start with a great product, invest in a great product, you know, spend the extra extra couple percentage points to get quality materials versus something that's going to fail. Because on Amazon, you know, your, your legacy is going to live on. Those reviews are your lifeblood. So start with a great product and then find something that there is momentum, that there exists a niche, but differentiated enough. And let me expand on that. You know, we've done a ton of products that were like the first of their kind, right? Like the first ever. And on, on Kickstarter, like they were, they were um, you know, category creators. And on Kickstarter, that's great because you're getting like people that are searching for that, that product. But on Amazon, if there isn't search volume for that, then do you really exist, right? Like you're only showing up for keyword searches, so unless you can generate momentum with a keyword search for a product, that doesn't really exist. So if you're inventing new hologram glasses, right? Like are people searching for hologram glasses? Not necessarily. But if you have sunglasses, you know, smart sunglasses, now that Bose and Facebook and, and Snapchat have come up with those, there might be some search volume for those. Um, I don't know. That's probably a terrible example. <laughs> if you if you can think of other ones, that would make it clearer, Roy. No, but I think it helps with the narrative in terms of you know Amazon is typically the place where there there kind of has to be some sort of search volume right for mm -hmm. it. it. Can't necessarily be a crowdfunded product that's a brand new innovation that only early adopters are willing to invest and pre-purchase before it exists in the marketplace where it hasn't become cool yet and ubiquitous where there's, you know, actual no volume, right? So how many crowdfunding creators or products have you worked with over the last 10 years? I think we're at five or six. Uh, and I can remember, you know, it's going back to it. If it's, if it's a drastic improvement over a current option, those are the ones that do well. If it's like a category creator, those are the ones where it takes a little time and, and energy to get going, uh, get momentum on Amazon. It's like, I, I would say, and what we say to the brand is like, take that ad spend you were going to put on Amazon or, or budget, allocate that to top of funnel, middle funnel, you know, Instagram, Facebook stuff, kind of pattern interrupt things where you're showing someone where you're educating them on why they even need a product like that in the first place. And then once you've kind of generated that demand, be on Amazon as that demand fulfillment channel, but as far as demand generation, look to Facebook, look to Instagram, look to building, look to PR, those kind of scenarios. So what would be some of those things in terms of working with crowdfunded creators that sometimes they miss as they migrate from shipping and delivering their product to the early adopters and then mm -hmm. shipping their product to an Amazon warehouse? Yeah. So, I'll, you know, you'll be amazed how many people don't go on Amazon. So if, if you've shipped and shipped your product to those early backers, 
those early supporters. And you're also live on Shopify um, or your own e-commerce site, what, WooCommerce or something like that. If you're there, you should also be on Amazon. And when I say be on Amazon, you know, throw up a listing, throw some products uh, into the FBA warehouses and your other channels. Like if you're, if you're spending on paid media, you need to be on Amazon because your paid media will be 20 to 30% more effective. And, you know, you can, we can go into the, the details, but it's really a rising tide scenario. You're going to spend money on Facebook. Some of that traffic is going to go to your website. Some of them will not convert, but then they'll go buy it on Amazon later when they're when they're shopping on Amazon. So by not being on Amazon, you are missing out on sales that if it's a really, really unique product, will will be loyal to you. But if it if there's another product that kind of does what you do or is similar enough, they're gonna get the sale on Amazon. So you, you really need to be there for defense. No, that's a great point. And I think we see that a lot in terms of on the e-commerce space where, you know, there's that that halo effect, right? Like if you're on mm-hmm. Shopify, great. But the majority of the consumers, I feel, would then just go to Amazon anyway and buy it if the price is the same because of the consistency uh, of Amazon and the the no hassle, if you will, of, you know, shipping or returns or any of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, don't fight with consumer demand. Like you could either... Harness it like water and shape your river, but you can't stop it. Like if someone wants to buy on Amazon, okay, great. Let's play with the pricing. Well, maybe let's do bundling. Let's do unique SKUs that aren't messing with your other channels. Like there, there are ways to work with it smartly where you're not hurting your other channels. But at the same time, you can't just say like, we're never selling on Amazon. We're going to be in, we're going to only do e-commerce. Well, you're just losing you're giving up 25% revenue incrementally. Like that's just silly, right? Like that's a stupid move. Yeah. Oh, I get that. What, um, so we're Q4 2021 Amazon, (laughs) right? Like what, what are some of the things that you're seeing or that you're ramping up for your clients? Oh man. So the theme this year is logistics and supply chain, you know, We've got a whole in-house team devoted to uh, inventory management, like within the within the Amazon FBA warehouses. Just our team uh, manages the stock levels of those, and Amazon is suffering from labor shortages. They're suffering from from stuffed warehouses. They're suffering. They're they're suffering from long lines to drop inventory, USPS and UPS and FedEx stuff. So. Our goal in Q4, honestly, is to stay in stock with with inventory. Because on Amazon, if you don't have stock, you don't exist. Uh, with Shopify, you can take back orders or you know pre-orders or things like that, and same with Kickstarter. But for for Amazon, stay in stock, and it's working with brands. You know, we're we're performance based, so we get a percentage of sales. But if a, if a one of our partners has called ten thousand units and they need to make it through Q4. And normally Amazon would get 25% of those allocated, but they're going to run out on their own. We'll, we'll, we'll work with them to say, okay, let's take 10% or let's take, let's, let's trickle some in. So our keyword rankings don't get demolished during Q4, but then, you know, you're making a higher margin sale on your side. And one of our core values is partnership. So we're not going to, we're not going to take inventory that you're going to make less on 
and divert it over here when you're constrained on on inventory. So let's you know what's the best for you. Let's stay in stock. Let's have a plan to get you back in stock when you get some new inventory. Speaking of planning, so you know obviously supply chain logistics, all of that has just completely been disrupted during COVID. What does <laughs> the next few years of shipping and logistics and you know Amazon fulfillment look like? You know, all every time I every time someone asks me that, I say. You know, we're betting on the 800 pound gorillas to figure this stuff out. If it was up to me and you, like, you know, <laughs> if, if it was up to sellers and brand owners to figure this stuff out, you know, we're kind of, we'd be kind of screwed. I'm betting that Costco and Walmart and Amazon and Facebook and Shopify are investing billions of dollars into this. And, and they are already, right? It's like you're you're already starting to see the stories about Costco and Walmart chartering their own entire tanker trucks or, or container boats to get from China to here to save Christmas, right? It's like, I'm sure they'll make a nice movie out of that um, in a few years. But air freight, just-in-time shipping, smaller shipping parcels, um, DHL shipping, containers, less than container loads, people buying whole airplanes to bring them over here. You know, these are like creative options. Um, I'm banking on the fact that Amazon are going to have some great options because they have billions of dollars at stake every single year. And, and we'll be able to hop on their Amazon boat once they once they roll it out for other sellers. Maybe we need Mr. Elon Musk to do like the hyperloop underneath the ocean to just tube product from china to america <laughs> can't, can't wait we'll be we'll be the first one but that, that, and then joke about that people like you know people are using uber freight which is an uber you know it's uber but it, they've got a freight platform for like container load and less than container load and people are using that to drop uh inventory at amazon warehouses during this q4 anything to stay relevant and on amazon at this point mm -hmm. right you got to stay in stock so Adam, I'm going to jump jump thought train here uh, because you did actually run a crowdfunding campaign, an equity mm -hmm. crowdfunding campaign uh, on WeFunder earlier this year in February 2021. You guys raised over $600,000 from over 250 investors. So yeah, first off, awesome. props for that. But thank you. I, I want to dive into the why and why you ended up using equity crowdfunding to raise additional capital for what you guys are building. Yeah, I think uh, equity crowdfunding is the future or is, is the now. And I don't think I'll ever have another company where I don't do an equity crowdfunding. Uh, I'm trying to think of scenarios where I wouldn't. It's one of those things where it is the intersection of fundraising. So it's like you're, you're generating actual funds that we get to deploy into the company. And I'll, I'll talk about what we did with those. So you're raising funds. At the same time, you are publicizing the company. So, you know, the, what I was telling people is like, this is marketing that we are getting money for that we would have to do this the old fashioned way and wouldn't have gotten any exposure. If you look at our SEO or Google Analytics during the crowdfund, there were, there was an explosion of activity. I think our, our site traffic went up 4x during that during the, the months of the campaign definitely resulted in in us gaining new clients and new partners and opened up a ton of opportunity 
as far as partnerships and uh, kind of companies that wanted to work with us. So it's, you know, it's marketing where you're getting paid. You dictate the terms. So it's not like a, a VC is trying to uh, nickel and dime you for that last quarter of a point. Like you set the terms, you go out to the market, and it's it's been awesome. I, I can't say enough great things about it. So let's talk a little bit about that prep work leading up to the WeFunder campaign mm-hmm. that you guys ran. What were some of the things that put you guys in such a great position to raise so much capital? Yeah, I think the um, a couple things. So we had great legal. Um, thank you for, <laughs> for that intro. And great creative. Thank you for that intro as well. So legal and creative were, I would say, the icebergs, you know, the, the underwater part of the iceberg. And we had to get some things taken care of from our, um, our corporate paperwork and, and all that fun stuff. And it was just nice to work with with professionals that had done this before and, and you know, that ex- pay for expertise, right? It's, it's, it makes things so much easier. And we had great video shot. We had great creative. We had a great landing page set up that was, that converted and told the story so well. And then just like when you are doing a Kickstarter campaign, it's all about that pre-work, right? Like having those lists of, of potential supporters and reaching out to them, letting them know that they're in that, that alpha group, being able to, to then set a kind of like early backer, very similar to Kickstarter, but like early supporter uh, phase where people can get in at, at like the the pre-price and then then it goes out to the public at a higher price. So really cool stuff that, that we're able to do on the platform. So I know we've talked about this offline quite a bit, but in terms of you already had customers, you had people that are paying for your service, using you, mm-hmm. getting great results with their Amazon sales. What percentage of those customers came in and funded the equity crowdfunding campaign where now not only are they customers, but also massive brand evangelists for you and owners? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think around 10 of our current clients uh, and former clients have, are now owners in the company. So it's, I mean, it doesn't like that story doesn't get better than that. Right. It's like, if you're, that means we're doing something right. If, if someone who's paying us money also puts money in to invest. You know, it tells us we're on the right path. Absolutely. So reflection time on the campaign then, like what if anything would you do differently or are you planning on running another campaign next year? Not planning on another one yet, but that's something to think about. I hadn't even thought about that actually. You know, it took, it did take up a good chunk of my time. Um, You know, we do quarterly projects at the company and this took up my main quarterly project time two quarters. So, you know, it's not, it's not a, you just put it up there and you get, you get half a million bucks and there you go. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time managing it, talking to people and having conversations. I would rethink the paid media strategy. Um, Maybe try to do some more PR, maybe do some more pre-work beforehand instead of just going live and then trying some, some, paid media tests then I, I would I would have done more pre-work on the paid media side good enough well Adam this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you Let's you good it. to go and yeah I really do not know what these questions are well that's the beauty of it Adam <laughs> let's, let's get it. started so what inspired you to be an entrepreneur I think I'd, I think it's it was innate or 
yeah, <laughs> shoveling snow and making mixed CDs and selling weed in high school. It's like, you know, that that's just always been in me. The hustle mentality. So uh, if you could meet any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Oh, this is a good one. Um, any entrepreneur in history? I think Da Vinci. You can, nice. I guess you can consider him a Da Vinci. He was like selling his, uh, his uh, breakthroughs and inventions. Absolutely. So what would have been your first question for him? Walk me through your process. How do you solve a problem? Yeah. What, uh, what book would you recommend to our listeners, you know, the entrepreneur and startup world? Oh, so many. Um, freaking. So if it is operations, I really like radical candor. That's a good one. Oh, high, um, high output management for like anyone managing people. Um, Andy Grove's high output management might be my every like probably read it twice a year for the rest of my life. It might be the best business book I've read. And then what else on a creative side? You know, I'll think I'll, I'll, I'll send you like 10 more that really impact me. Right on. So what advice would you give to a new inventor or entrepreneur that's looking to launch their product on Amazon? Just go, um, just do it. Like it, it's going to be so on Amazon, it could either be really easy. You just get up and like you get verified and, and the system, you know, the system likes you one day, like the, the robot gods are kind and you can just go and get up and start getting some data. If you run into like technical issues, like, um, Roy, you can put my email here. We, we can, we can help you out. Just get some data. I, we see so many people not going because of this. And what if this happens? What it's like, just get up there. Put your product live, unoptimized images. You've probably got content and copy already from your campaigns. Like, just get it live. You can always optimize. It's e-commerce. That's the beauty. It's like we can change everything. Just ship it, right? Just ship. So what are the top three skills that you think every entrepreneur needs to be successful on Amazon? Perseverance, being able to see data and and make decisions uh, and, and I guess action against that. So like being able to understand it, making actions and then perseverance to, to, cause you're going to be frustrated as hell sometimes. Indeed. So Adam, what's one invention that's made your life easier during the pandemic? I'm not going to say zoom cause it's actually zooms made my life worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm talking on it right now. So a, uh, what the heck is this thing? What brand? This is, the Plantronics uh, boom mic, it's got noise canceling microphone, not just noise canceling uh, earpiece. So I can walk by a construction site on a walk and no one would even know. Like I'd be on a conference call, no one would even know that I'm not in my office. Nice. All right, Adam, last question. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? I think equity crowdfunding is ubiquitous and everywhere. Everyone is doing it or at least... Um, talking about it as a strategy, I think it's going to make uh, it's going to make equity raises more competitive for brands because now you get the the crowd and and the wisdom of the crowd to compete against venture capitalists and and private equity groups. And then the same thing with with a standard um, you know pre sell crowdfund. It's there's no reason to do 
these long cycles anymore when you can get instant or, or faster validation from the crowd. Um, now, whether it's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or or your own tribe, that's to be seen. But I think anything to get you to data faster, uh, whether it's equity or, or pre-sale, it's, it's a good thing. Absolutely. Well, Adam, this has been amazing. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch again, tell people what you're all about, where they should go, and why they should check you out. Awesome. Thanks, Roy. So sunkenstone.com, we got a ton of great information on our blog and YouTube. If you want to know how to run Amazon PPC campaigns or do brand registry stuff, go there. If we can help you out with anything specific, you just uh, take our success quiz or fill out our uh, uh, fill out a, a um, an email question and shoot me over any questions you've got. Adam at sunkenstone.com. It's Adam at sunkenstone.com. And then happy to help. Um, um, this was fun. Thanks, Ray. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to Adam's company, and everything else we talked about today. And of course, I got to thank our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Type. Mr. Adam Weiler, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for tuning in to another amazing episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, show us some love by giving us a great rating on your favorite listening station. And of course, make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the previous episodes. And if you need some help, that's what we're here for. Make sure to send me an email to info at artofthekickstart.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.